0: Hello there! It's Friday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever. The only movie podcast to offer objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad, and with me as always, an invisible man sleeping in your bed, it's Anthony James. Surprise! (laughs) Busting makes him feel good. Um... (laughs) Anthony, how
1: the devil are you? I'm doing well. I love that as a line out of context of the song. Busting I will, full,
0: full disclosure, there's a very, very funny, um, it's, not, it's not really a remix, it's kind of like a rearrangement of that song um, that just focuses on the line, busting makes me feel good, um, that I've listened to probably a several hundred times at this point. So it's not my joke, it's a stolen joke, but you know, good artists... Pay homage, great artist Steve oh, So. A fantastic
1: you know. joke, B- busting. Uh yeah, yeah. So we are here to talk about the invisible man. I suppose it kind of counts as like uh ghost busting, I suppose. Um In a way. Mm, In a way.
0: He's not really a ghost. Oh is it? I mean I don't well, know. I mean or or is he? Or is or, well, it? Mean, we don't he know here, exactly. We'll have, to, we'll have to, you know, we'll we'll go through that. We'll we that. I mean, in many ways, that is why this podcast exists—to uncover these kind of mysteries that, like at the at the heart <laughs> of of film narratives. Um, but I think before we do that, no, wait, there's nothing I actually want to talk about in this introduction. I've got a little bit of a, an overview to go through, but I need to do the line first, don't I? Before we get to that. So without further ado, <laughs> let's talk about some gosh darn movies. Let's do it. Movies about invisible people. There's not that many of them, but there's some, and we're going to talk about one of them. Uh, That's right. It's The Invisible Man from 2020. Mm -hmm. Mm I, um, some of our YouTube channel subscribers, which is The Culture Cave, you should be subscribed if you're not already, um, may have seen that I did a best of 2020 video video. At the end of twenty twenty, because when else would I have done that? I think you did the start of
1: twenty twenty one. It might well, <laughs> just, just, right, to, like, just, to just to be nitpicky, just to be nitpicky. Put, put
0: me on blast for my punctuation, uh, punk- I was going to say punctuation, then punctuality rather. Yeah. Um, it was around twenty twenty, and this was on it. I can't remember where I put it. To be honest, I think it was number three possibly um but it's on UK Netflix now i don't think that many people saw this movie and hopefully more will see it now well it's currently um, trending
1: uh, as we record this it's currently trending on the in the top 10 of the UK Netflix as well as that i've seen a few um articles popping up about the uh the brilliant use of tension within the film so it, maybe mm. it's gaining some notoriety now
0: oh yes it's strong like a violin this thing it's just it absolutely <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's tense as you like it feels like it can fly apart any minute um The one interesting thing that I wanted to say, and the kind of fun little preamble bit before we get down to brass tacks, is that apparently, I only found this out today when I was doing my notes for this episode, um, but this was planned to be a part of the ill-fated, universal, dark universe, extended universe. The one that had, like, Tom Cruise's The Mummy, and I'm trying to remember who else. It was, like, Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and... Yeah. I know Johnny Depp was in there as some some the, nonsense. Yeah, the mummy. What vampire. else was it?
1: Dracula. Was there a Dracula going to go happen? I don't know.
0: There must have been a Dracula in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't remember who who played Dracula. But um, it was very early on. It was planned to be that. But then uh, Lee Wenell, the director, has since come out and said, "No, this is nothing to do with that. C- keep that shit away from this this, this wonderful <laughs> movie." And God bless him for it because. I mean how would that even work
1: You can imagine Like what Like supernatural things and then you've just got like a tech billionaire it's interesting isn't it was, it? I mean
0: it was it, yeah it was right in the uh, well I mean who knows they'll figure out a way it, it was right <laughs> in the, the middle of that stretch where every single fucking uh, major studio in Hollywood wanted to have their own extended yeah. universe yeah, so yeah, that yeah. they could just be like oh we're gonna hint that Frankenstein is gonna show up at the end of this one yes I know for it. it's Frankenstein's monster that's part of the joke I'm making alright I can see you <laughs> at home there typing that Frankenstein's
1: Frankenstein mm. monster
0: <clears throat> have you watched that yet
1: no no
0: frankenstein's monsters monster yeah, Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very it's really funny that it reminds me of garth merengue's dark place a bit that that uh oh that, really i don't know what you i don't know what you call it because it's like a little kind of half hour standalone thing it's it's not a movie it's just a, a weird thing that uh that david piece, um, piece of art harbour yeah david sure harbour. It's, it's just david harbour that's it yeah um it's just a piece of art that he <clears throat> like released out into the ether and i don't know who saw it but i did and i loved it um <laughs> but right, that that's does blow my period. mind to be honest with you about
1: the monster <laughs> universe thing i like I, I i never saw any of those films to be honest with you i have no care about those films um i'm not really you know as you say i was a bit turned off by all the I'm still turned off by DC. Still trying to do it. I'm, I'm turned off by all these other companies trying to jump on the bandwagon and, and trying to have their yeah. own extended universe. <clears throat> this would have to have been, without getting into spoilers until later, but this would have to have been a completely different film if they were going to go that way. Like this, I can't yeah. imagine the film that we see here being in any way connected to any other film.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I never saw any of them either. To be honest, I just, um, as 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 I uh, as is my right. As a as an internet film person is to sit back and judge things that I've not actually watched. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've seen the, that uh, that wonderful gift of the uh, the trailer for Tom Cruise's The Mummy that they accidentally <laughs> released that had no, didn't have any of like the the sound treatment on it, so it was just the VFX or it was just the sound effects of like Tom Cruise shouting as he like flew around <laughs> a crashing C one thirty plane, which is again very another uh, very funny thing. Um. <laughs> But I mean they're on a C130 which is a big, you know, pass- uh, not passenger. It's like a cargo or military cargo airplane. Oh, yes, so I, I guess that, I there is stuff that's set in the present day that's vaguely tech focused. So, you know, maybe they could have they could have fit the invisible man into ah, that. They but yeah, I'm actually thinking about that. Thank God they didn't is all I'll say. <laughs> um, but that's what we're here to talk about. So, um for those of you who don't know uh, well, we haven't seen it yet. We're not going to talk spoilers immediately. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. think it's too much of a spoiler to say that an Invisible Man will be featured in this film. Um, that, that is not false advertising. It's not a, a naked lunch situation. I have some um, thoughts about
1: that, but well, <clears throat> I'll let you finish what you're saying.
0: Okay, fi- well, fine. We're off to the races already. Um, the only thing I was going to say before that then was that this is directed by Lee Winnell, uh, directed and written by Lee Winnell, mm-hmm. who is kind of... <clears throat> it's an interesting position they find themselves in because they've made um, a lot of um, like Blumhouse horror. Uh, who that? That's the kind of production company that does uh, like Insidious. They did a lot of uh, oh, yeah, the Paranormal yeah, yeah. Activities and Insidious. They did a lot of the Purge movies. Annabelle. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, Annabelle as well. And to be honest, they've made a lot of horror movies that I don't like. Uh, as a as a broadly speaking, there's some good ones in there, but most of them I haven't really liked. Um but then in 2020 they made or they produced this and freaky uh which i both I, I loved absolutely i absolutely loved both of them um and i i think it's like it it was a really interesting opportunity for Lee Winnell to kind of prove that he has chops as a horror writer um mm. given that he's been stuck on Soren and insidious for like 20 years um how how did you find this as a as an auteur experience from Lee Winnell?
1: It did, yeah. That's what I mean. Sort of, I can't <clears throat> picture it being part of any u- extended universe because it yeah. did feel like a director's vision and like they were going for a particular thing. I will say um, now, maybe I have to ask you a question. I don't know how to code this question. <clears throat> um, in the trailer, right of this movie, I never saw the trailer. I don't know if you okay. did. Uh, Was it? I may no, have done. I know that. I know that this idea of the Invisible Man. Is a, a done thing before? There's been a previous film. There's like a very loose connection to H.G. Wells. I like I understand that, <clears throat> yeah. right? But the question I have for you is: Is it like is it just a hundred percent known going in? Is everyone is, is supposed to just assume and know one hundred percent there is an invisible man in this? Uh, because I'm going to tell you this, Conrad. The first twenty minutes of this film, the tension was at a max, and I <laughs> I honestly. I, I didn't I've never, I've I've seen Hollow Man I think that was mm. who was that Kevin Bacon Kevin Bacon uh, yeah yeah so I've seen I've seen that many many moons ago, but the way this film was set up and obviously <clears you could throat> still it could still be a metaphor for this but the way it was set up really I was like always thinking to myself in the first sort of twenty five minutes like holy God there's gonna be no invisible man. It, like, gonna be, <laughs> it's it's gonna be the big reveal. Yeah, like they, they keep having these beautiful shots where they're lingering on a spot in the corner of a room, and you know what? It's all it's all smoke and mirrors. It's gonna be no, yeah, yeah, there's, there's gonna be there's no invisible is... man. And like, and and I'm gonna be honest with you. Like we can get into the details later, but what, you know, I think it's no it's, it's no secret to anyone except for me that there is an invisible man in this. And yeah. and I when that happened, I enjoyed the rest of the film, but I was a bit like, oh, okay. Uh, We're doing this, are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've, you've lost me.
0: No, I mean, I think... So, I mean, in answer to your first question, I, I can't really remember the trailer, but I distinctly remember one moment in it, mm-hmm. um, which it's not too much of a spoiler to say, um, given it is in the trailer, mm-hmm. that there's a moment where um, Elizabeth Moss's character, Cecilia Cass, um, comes into physical confrontation with <clears throat> with the, the invisible man okay. and attacks him, and his suit kind of glitches out a bit, and you see the kind of black
1: um okay so that's actually in the trailer so i didn't know that i didn't see the trailer at all and i assumed then whenever they did the wink and the wink at the camera where uh where there was like one like maybe it's a police officer character said something like you know like this is this is what this is what happens you know you'll be you'll be convinced that he's everywhere you know he's yeah he's done the perfect thing of of making you convinced that he is there and i was like oh my god well now we know he's going to turn up because they have mentioned him but up until that point i really thought oh my god this is going to be so cool he's not really there well, I mean, so you, I think you've, <clears throat> you've kind of struck upon, um, two
0: really interesting elements of the movie that Lee Whannell kind of drilled into, I think. So, um, just to briefly outline the plot then for people who mm-hmm. maybe don't know yet. Um, Elizabeth Moss plays a, I think she's an architect. In fact, and yeah, she is an architect. She goes for a job interview at some point and she has like drawings of, um of buildings or whatever. um, Schematics, I guess. That's what architects probably call them. Um, So she's called Cecilia Cass, and she escapes an abusive relationship with, like, Mm -hmm. a tech billionaire, only to later learn that he has killed himself. Um, But a bunch of unexplained events begin to occur in her life after this, and she starts to suspect that he might not be quite as dead as he seems. (laughs)
1: Um, So, I think... The opening scene, though, Conrad. The opening scene with the starting off with her escaping um mm. it, it, it it was full of tension from the from the get-go we we didn't even, yeah. we don't need to be told there was no like there was no shot was of wordless her. there was no yeah, shot was... of her with bruises there was no shot of her with like you know uh with, with damage done to her physically by him it was just all through the performance of the character we yeah. knew we knew what was happening and uh i will say about it um it, it reminded me of uh you know the film sleeping with the enemy uh i know of it i don't think i've ever seen that so the film sleeping with the enemy is julia roberts in a abusive relationship with a mustachioed man uh and and there's a big meme about the mustache coming to get you but basically um it's it's basically the plot of this film except the mustachioed man doesn't go invisible and and there's a lovely uh scene with a brown-eyed girl uh the, you know that, oh, okay. that wasn't don't. that wasn't in this one but we uh, don't get
0: that in this that wouldn't have been tonally right i don't think for yeah, uh, for what when yeah. i was going for there's
1: no like long brown haired you know blue-eyed beautiful man to uh cheer up the main character in this one like there was in the, the Julia roberts one yeah. but but uh but it is basically the same storyline uh you know <laughs> yeah
0: i'm I, to be honest i'm quite glad that they don't like try to resolve uh, elizabeth moss's trauma having survived an abusive relationship by tossing her into another relationship that well they've improved like... on the
1: sleeping with the enemy definitely in that yeah, regard
0: that always that always feels like a, a quite a, a quite lazy and cheap way of uh of of you know attempting to uh to conclude a character arc like that yeah but um yeah no you're absolutely right the opening scene it's it's this amazing like wordless escape from their beachfront house and it like it like nothing is spoken it's 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 just as you say everything is implied through actions and her behavior um but the tension is is just ramped up so high and you immediately understand the stakes of what is going on and you're completely re- like you're rooting for cecilia by the end of it even though literally a word hasn't been spoken in the first 15 minutes of the movie yeah. and it, and it's such a talking about lewanow as an auteur that was like as as an introduction to a movie really i know i know that that he were uh, he made upgrade before this which i've not seen but i've heard is is really good as well but for, for for me this was like my introduction to him as making something that maybe felt like it was a bit more of his voice mm. i don't want to diminish the other stuff he's made but a lot of the saw movies and the annabelle movies they feel like they're kind of written to formula a little bit uh you know they're sort of we're going to make a spooky movie about a doll or whatever and mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. not necessarily as creative as as what he's doing here but that opening is um is simply fantastic um and and one of the strongest openings for any movie let alone a horror movie that i've seen in ages and then you've got the really interesting and quite bold decision that i wanted to get your thoughts on cuz this is kind of like the central idea that Lee Winnell is bringing to this story is like you take so the original HG Wells uh, Invisible Man story as I recall it Mm -hmm. and it's been a long time since I've seen that movie is a man drinks like a mad scientist drinks a potion that makes him go invisible and he experiments with himself to try and get himself to turn um, to turn visible again and he kind of goes mad and I think he might kill some people but it's very much focused on the invisible man yeah yeah. and I think the decision here to say we're going to instead focus on we're going to use this entire thing as a metaphor for the trauma that a survivor of an abusive relationship mm-hmm. carries with them into their life after that relationship has ended, yeah constantly fearing that somehow that you know the 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 abusive partner is you know gonna seek retribution or is around the corner from them mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. kind of heighten that by making it about a tech billionaire who has access to a suit that makes him invisible and literally is around the like waiting to exact yeah. revenge is is so I like I absolutely love that as as a way of like just you just take your theme and you're like fuck it you're going right in the middle of this movie and then you and then you just you build everything around it did did like did you did that work for you cuz it's quite a quite a brave idea that might not work for some people
1: Oh it works for me definitely I I think that's that's why I was <laughs> Uh, whenever i like I was like dreaming of the idea of this film getting the whole way through and having and having him never be there at the same time that's like too, that's too wishful thinking that would be so hard to carry for a full feature-length film you know but yeah. but so but when it whenever like you know the metaphor was still there and the theme was still there um it it, it really worked for me it really really worked for me i i, I also liked how you know he kept driving wedges between um, yeah. different characters who she was she was like seeking refuge with and like the moment where you know he first but basically he first comes in in contact with uh with someone where he uh you know basically little things keep happening where she keeps Mm. thinking she hears something or he leaves a, a a bottle of pills which were hers and she knows she's starting to slowly think you know he's he's still here he's here he's here somewhere yeah um, and then finally now I don't know if this is the first one but it is definitely one of the first ones um, she's she's with the young teenage girl who she has even going to pay for her university through the money that she's got through inheritance uh, <clears throat> the, the teenage girl gets smacked out of nowhere by the invisible man and of, yeah. course, of course she's just going to assume that it was the other woman in the room and then that sort of throws her out of those uh, comfortable relationships that she had when she was yeah. seeking refuge that moment where it's nothing that nothing anyone could do the dad did the right thing the girl obviously did the right thing in thinking that someone had hit her uh, this, that was so uh, such a huge release of tension, but also in such a horrific way that i thought it really worked as well
0: yeah i mean i think the so i mean again that's that's just when I'll developing mm-hmm. this idea of how an abusive relationship kind of drives a wedge between you and your support network so In this case, you've got Aldis Hodge uh, and his daughter, Mm -hmm. who are like a friend to Elizabeth Moss' character, and her sister, who I didn't actually write down who her sister was played by. But, um, you know, she has these people who are supportive, but as she begins to kind of show, I guess externally, she's perceived as lapsing into paranoia based on the, the the you know not dealing well with the trauma of the abusive relationship mm-hmm. but for her she as you say she's starting to see signs that maybe her her ex isn't actually dead. Mm-hmm. And they you know that it starts off with them being skeptical and then kind of questioning her directly about whether these things are actually happening and whether she's of sound mind and finally they they abandon her. Um, and it's just it's such it's so clever in 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 how it's structured and it how it takes Cecilia Cass from a position at the beginning of the movie. Well, certainly she's very vulnerable at the beginning of the movie. But after that initial escape, escape sequence, she's still very vulnerable. You know, she's still uh, someone who's recovering from this relationship, and it takes her from that and pulls her even lower. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I I think the the thing that I was wanted to kind of get your take on was that. When, when you're dealing with an abusive relationship and you're making a horror movie out of it, there's often... when where If you kind of explain that to someone without the, without actually having seen this movie, there's, I think, the potential that, the, that it might come across as exploitative mm-hmm. um, because a lot of horror has exploited that before um, and it's often very poorly done. Um, I didn't find this exploitative at all. I actually found it very sympathetic and very understanding of... Mm. Of her as a character and what she'd been through, but I wanted to get your your take on that as well to to see if you got any of that from this or whether it was all it was all cool for you.
1: Well, it was definitely all cool for me. I I, I didn't get any of that exploitative nature there. Um i know what you mean i know what you mean some of these we've talked also in the past about like you know certain characters and other things when you have when when they have like even you know <clears throat> troubles as a teenager or mental health issues they just jump straight to cuts on the wrist um yeah this this didn't this is what i mean like at the start we didn't we didn't get the gratuitous images of like bruises upon her body to show what's happened like they didn't go the general route they actually went through her psychological uh, state of mind more so yeah um and which, which really worked for me, you know, and, and it made it sort of not as cliche as other things. And maybe that just adds to the respect they gave the subject. So therefore, yeah. it, it came across very sort of realistic in a way, but also, but also as, a, as I say, respectful to the subject. So yeah, I didn't get any of that uh, exploitation there. I thought they did really well.
0: Awesome. OK, um, right. Well, I'm, I'm going to say we've we've talked a little bit about stuff that is kind of revealed in this movie thus far. Mm-hmm. But most of what we've spoken about it, uh, happens in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. So there haven't been any major spoilers yet. I'm going to say now I want to talk about the spooky bits in this movie. And that means I'm going to say spoilers, because if you want to go into this um, not being scared for some of the, some of the best the best scares in the movie. Did I say not being scared for some of the best scares, not being spoiled for some of the best scares is what I want you to be scared by them. <laughs> yeah, and so does yeah, Lee yeah. one out. Um, then then tune out now and and maybe tune back in at the end to uh, hear our final thoughts on it. But that's your warning. Spoilers here. So I like scary movies, but I'm I'm a big baby when it comes to scares. I normally end up like covering my eyes oh, or doing. I'm, I'm you know, through the fingers.
1: Um, yeah, I am too. Yeah.
0: So how ha- how did how did you? How did you cope with this? Because I know you're less of a fan uh, of this kind of stuff than I am.
1: Yeah, I'm going through a process of coming to terms with the idea that I like watching them. Uh, I just didn't realize that everyone who likes horror films was scared of them as well
0: oh yeah uh, I'm, I'm absolutely like shitting myself every single time i watch one that's, yeah. that's the joy of it
1: so yeah exactly so i'm coming to learn that joy i I's always thought like jeez other people love these horror films it's crazy i'm too yeah. so scared of them i can't watch them but uh but basically yeah so there was a couple of scares which really did it for me um there was one okay so i'm just gonna say this i think that i have a really good uh intuition for fighting invisible people because <laughs> there was one or two, there was one or two times in this film where I know it's a bold claim it's a bold claim but there's one or yeah. two times in this film where I was like just willing her to stab the air in front of her and both yeah. of ta- of the times I was willing that he was there right so mm. the first one is the uh, when she throws the paint on him uh, yep. in in the, in the <clears throat> attic the attic sort of trapdoor thing um, and I was, th- I was just saying to myself, just punch the air in front of you. Just punch the air yeah. in front of you.
0: Just windmill your yeah. arms around at all times <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. strike him.
1: That's what I said to him. I said, like, I'd just, I'd just be slicing the air around me all the yeah. time. Or
0: get, like, get like a skipping rope and just like, <laughs> whoosh, <there you> <laughs> <laughs> just,
1: like whip that around your
0: head constantly. And the other one,
1: the other one was whenever she had the gun and and he was standing underneath the boot of the car. And I thought to myself, both those times, I was like, just like stab the air or punch the air or shoot the air. I was just like, mm. I have really good. Uh, i have really good uh awareness of where they are obviously uh, well, yeah okay. i mean that's a that's a great sense so we'll, we'll, i'm sure we'll, we'll spend the next 10 minutes talking about the, all the scares but i will get into them but i wanted to mention something this last thing i wanted to mention before we just get get into the scares because there were a lot of great ones why on earth now we've talked about this plenty of times Scott we've talked about this plenty of times but i need to mention it again why does every film have to have a checkoffs? offs check-offs fire extinguisher like obviously as soon as you see that fire extinguisher the whole thing right half an hour ago i'm thinking to myself oh my god they actually might not use the fire extinguisher because how are they going to get back to that house (laughs) like they're in a mental institution why would they go back to that house and then lo and behold of course we're back in the house of course Chico's fire extinguisher has to be used in an invisible man movie why couldn't they just have a fire extinguisher later without showing us the scene of them. Oh, but then, but then you're filling the screen with
0: unnecessary visual information. If you're putting the fire extinguisher there and not using it, um, yeah, I, I get. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're definitely. I'm sure there are movies that are like, I'm gonna put this here, and you'll think it. You think it's gonna happen, but the gun will not be fired at any point in this movie. Every um, movie,
1: every single movie, especially like a horror or an action, has a Chekhov's something. I think it might. I think it might be the. I think it might be the most used device of any film. oh yeah I mean it definitely I, I think it it definitely is but I mean it, it, but
0: that's because it's like th- I mean I, it, yeah but and it's also just you know a, a shorthand of of establishing something that's going to happen so the audience aren't like surprised in a bad way by it happening like if you yeah it allows if, me to know, pat if, myself
1: it, on the back as well it allows me yeah to be, like, exactly yeah <laughs> you
0: like if you if they if this movie it doesn't I'm gonna say this now don't I don't want anyone to be spoiled when this doesn't happen uh, or upset when this doesn't happen if this movie had ended with a sword fight and they had never shown a sword on the wall of Aldous Hodge's suburban suburban home yeah, yeah. Then you would have rightly been like that doesn't make much sense why has he got a sword yeah well, where does the sword come from yeah whereas we you've you've got to introduce the sword a fire extinguisher admittedly is a little bit more likely to have in the home, so maybe it's not necessary. Um, But it's it's something I noticed. Yeah, I mean, it definitely happens a lot. Um, But something else that that you actually pointed out earlier, and you've you've brought us back to here, that I did want to mention is that um, for a lot of these... or In fact, actually, not even scares in this movie. A lot of the tension around the scares in this movie, because there aren't that... There are jump scares in this movie. I wouldn't say it's a particularly jump scare-heavy movie. There's maybe... Three or four big ones that I can think of, yeah. but the the tension around it that you identified right at the beginning with uh, Lewanow's use of just wide static shots, yes, um, very very similar to to the um to the the kind of things that you might see in in um like Hereditary or something like that, mm-hmm. like a wide shot that gives you time to really take in all the visual information in it and which seems mundane until you notice something that's wrong and it suddenly makes the whole thing feel very sinister. So there's a, probably my favourite example in this whole movie is a scene where uh, Cecilia is preparing a meal in Aldous Hodges' house and it's just a wide shot of her preparing food at a counter with some scrambled eggs cooking on the stove and then she's called away, the camera stays there and... Probably lingers for about ten seconds, and then suddenly a a, a butcher's knife like disappears from the uh, from the mm-hmm. counter, and mm-hmm. then a few seconds later the fire on the um on the 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 hob turns up um and it starts burning the food, and it's just it's little it's it's the the sort of. Trust in your audience to notice I mean it's not it's not like that subtle but the the, mm-hmm. the the trust in your audience to notice things like that rather than needing to have like an insert of the knife being pulled off the table or yeah, something yeah. like that and it, it just makes it so much creepier um, and I, I love mm-hmm. talking about your 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 much vaunted ability to fight invisible men um, <laughs> the use of negative space in lots mm-hmm. of shots that are like a lot of a lot of the shots with uh, Cecilia, where it's implied that someone is opposite her, they're shot like dialogue almost. They're shot yeah. like shot reverse shot. You know, yeah. like you're looking over her shoulder at negative space, yeah. and it's a really, really cool technique because it's sort of like you're conditioned talking. You know, talking about you know camera and, and narrative techniques like Chekhov's gun. you you're taught to expect like, oh, this is being shot like a dialogue scene, which means there's something there. And then I would say maybe like seventy percent of the time there's not anything there. You know, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of like fake outs in this. And then but then the other thirty percent of the time, like when she throws the paint on him in the attic. Yeah. Or uh when she pretends to kill herself and then stabs him with the pen, there is oh, someone yeah. there. And it's 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 just used to penetrate that t- that tension and kick off a really really cool action sequence um
1: mm-hmm. yeah well that's that's what i was going to say actually is that i found i f- like i found the film once i realized that he was there and i mm-hmm. realized that there was an invisible man and a lot some of that tension was taken out for me now they did they, he did a good job of like building it up again in certain moments when he needed to but i felt like it before i found out 100 percent there is an invisible man it was a it was a different film and then once i found out that i then went once you find out like you know how like s- these horror <clears> films <throat> like sort of slowly build up to it um and yeah. it's and this this film did maybe fall fall a little bit prey to like daytime 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 nothing happens nighttime spooky daytime nothing happens nighttime spooky
0: <laughs> but nighttimes the
1: scary time no i That's... know but that is a hor- that is a horror narrative uh, structure which i think yeah. I like films that sort of do away with that like a bit like Midsummer did but you know that felt prets a little bit but my point is that once you then knew he was there and you know it's nighttime again I was expecting him to turn up and therefore the tension didn't ratchet up as much as it did at the very beginning of the film for me you know
0: oh, Okay I I mean I I'm like the opposite of that like when I know he's going to be there like during the daytime I'm like whatever He's not going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> um, even, though, even though I think he actually is there a couple of times during the daytime. Mm-hmm. But then at nighttime, I'm like, you bastard, where are you? <laughs> Reveal yeah. yourself.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I'm definitely on the on the lookout for him. But I mean, like, for me, the, it was a full 20, 25 minutes of build up of tension until the first mm-hmm. moment where he smacks that girl in the face or whatever he's doing. And yep. that was the moment which scared me the most. Uh, The rest of the film, because I was half expecting him to be there all the time, I was sort of bracing myself for him to be there. Whereas yeah. I sort of convinced myself that there was no that you know, he wasn't really there and it was just all gonna be in her head. And then uh he then started he was. then he was there and I was and then that and that's what really made me Frightened the most. But once it became like a sort of more of a slashery sort of thing, um mm-hmm. I, I was able to to get through it all right yeah
0: I, I know what you mean like once once they do that initial scare which I think is the moment where um she's in bed with uh, Aldous Hodges' daughter yes, and yes, the yes. sheet is pulled off of them mm-hmm. and then there's like a bunch of fake outs in that scene where she like is looking the at mannequin. a chair and it's a it's a yeah there's a mannequin and then there's she's looking at the chair and it's like a front on shot of this empty chair and then she throws the sheet over it and you're expecting it to you know land on him and it, and he it doesn't stepping on the sheet and then he steps on the sheet and it's like oh fuck <laughs> it's it's um well that actually, scene is when very he started creepy. stepping
1: on that sheet, I remember I turned to Ema and I went f this movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that scene is very creepy
0: um and i I think this this is. I don't, I don't want to talk smack about the original um the original adaptation talk from smack the, conrad talk smack, I'll the 30, to it. well i've not i've not seen it in a long time but i think the one that is 1933 the original one um i've not mm-hmm. seen it in a long enough time that i can't really remember anything about it but i, th- I think this is more of a a, a true horror movie than mm. any of the, than the any of the adaptations i've heard about because it's it's really singular in its vision and its focus on this mm-hmm. one character, mm-hmm. um, which I really enjoyed. The, the one thing I wanted to also discuss with you, though, is that mm-hmm. after the sequence where um, Cecilia Cass has essentially been abandoned by all her friends and family, some of them are dead, um, some of them mm-hmm. just don't like her anymore, and she's in, she's been institutionalised, essentially. Um, and when she breaks out of the mental... Um, facility. Um, mm-hmm. There is essentially like an action sequence. Like it, it sort of stops being a horror movie for a little bit as the Invisible Man just like wades through a bunch of security guards and kills them all. Um, and like, yeah. did you did, did that like tonal shift work for you? Because I know I know some people who've seen this who are a bit like that kind of diffused any tension and it, the movie didn't really regain it after it. Hmm
1: but this is that's at that point the ball's rolling you know what I mean like yeah
0: I, that, I, that's that was my argument is that yeah. I think at that point you know you're in your final girl stage you yeah. know you're, you're gonna have a big chase sequence that's what you do in horror movies but it's um yeah i I, I enjoyed it personally but yeah, I know no, some I people I, I
1: don't I don't I don't see the maybe someone could put it across a bit better better to me if they really feel that way but I I thought it worked well I thought it made sense for that mm. part of the movie especially considering when they did go back to the house then um by that stage, there was no real hiding him. Like his suit was glitching out and stuff. So it really yeah, that's true. I don't know. I I I, I think it. I think it worked personally. I like this film. Yeah.
0: Um. And the, the, then the final question to to ask about the movie mm-hmm. is: uh, Did did Elizabeth Moss just end up killing an innocent man at the end there? <laughs> like it's never. I yeah. don't think it's ever quite confirmed. It's a little bit like aging. the
1: ince- in the Inception, uh, the spinning top, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, he, we he all definitely know Seems like a piece
0: of shit. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah we all
1: know the answer. Um, I, I'm gonna say, I don't think there's any world in which uh, that his brother would have. Like, I, I can't imagine a world in which that the, they got the photo of him having. Um, you know died by suicide suppo- mm. supposedly without him being in on that yeah but but you know i i don't really see that but also like th- like he also whispered to her like you know surprise and stuff like there was enough clues there for me to Oh be like, yeah i mean he's he he's uh,
0: it's one of those things that i could see someone um making like a youtube video being like was he actually the invisible man it's like yes yeah. he obviously was he absolutely was well i was. think also
1: as well if we i didn't go back and rewatch this but i i did read somewhere that I think there is a scene in which the only explanation to what's happening with the Invisible Men is that there are two of them. So I think, yeah. I think there, there was probably two at the same time. I will also say, though, this is called The Invisible Man, but what something about that camera suit that they put on Really gives them super strength as well.
0: Yeah, they, you you can't dwell too much on it. You can't yeah. dwell too much because it. it's like, okay, they're invisible men. Are they also bulletproof in that <laughs> yeah, thing? Because yeah, yeah. they seem to be shrugging off an awful lot of damage in those things. That's, it's, that's it's, from
1: the that's from the script when it was meant to be part of the world of the mummy, and then they rewrote yeah. it, but they, they still <laughs> they still kept in that a small woman wearing the suit. Was able to force a knife into a man's throat. Uh, yeah, 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 not not it's, sure.
0: <laughs> it's a it's a very like well, I mean, it's a real kind of like Iron Man war machine situation in these. Like you just pop the suit on yeah. and suddenly you've got access to all kinds of shit that that can you know make you super strong or uh, shoot lasers out of your arms or whatever. It well, is, we Iron also Man. know
1: from the language of cinema, a domestic abuser is for some reason imbued with the power of Satan. They can. Yeah. Lift a woman up by the neck and only the neck. You know they are that strong. So even I though, could, there, yeah. as
0: a scene in this where like and it's a great scene um, because of, of how it how it uh, it, it uh, basically acts on the tension that's built up before it. But where Elizabeth Moss has been left alone in the home after Aldous Hodge has uh, abandoned her because he thinks that she's he he's, she has hit his daughter, mm-hmm. um, and Elizabeth Moss is essentially like wrestling with the invisible man. And some of the stuff he does to her with one hand is outrageous. I was like, I, I, I watch wrestling quite a lot, and they couldn't do some of the things that this man is, is yeah, and they're doing. Trying,
1: and they're trying to help each other, too.
0: Yeah. it's. Uh, it, uh, th- I think Adrian Griffin was, in fact... Uh, wait, hold on. Which one's the super strength? Maybe he's the wolf man. Could he have also been... A, the, like, Was he a oh, werewolf yeah, and man. in the Invisible Man suit at the same time? And that's where he well, got his super strength from. It is isn't the same universe. We never <laughs> no. see him at night, out of the suit. I should say. <laughs> that's a that's as that. Well, I mean, that's a that's an opportunity missed for that dark universe. Yeah. Um, that you, that Universal were trying to come up with. They should have just combined all of their all of their horror stories into one person and cast. I don't know, Mads Mickelson as the Wolfman slash Frankenstein slash Dracula. <laughs> Mads
1: Mikkelsen. No, no, no. That definitely would be Johnny Depp or something wouldn't it.
0: Oh yeah, well,
1: still an advert. Well s- still, still, s-
0: still an advert on TV. Yep, we've not. <laughs> apparently, he's not cancelled enough yet. We, we really need to. <laughs> we really need to hammer home <laughs> that uh, he probably he hasn't made a good movie in like twenty years and probably can be gotten rid of at this point. Um, right, okay. <sighs> I think that is. Unless you've got anything else you wanted to say on Lee Winnell's, um The Invisible Man, I think. No, that I, is going to do it for us. Yeah, that's, that's me. That's me on it. Okay, nice. Well, all right, that's going to lead us very naturally and, uh, and cosily to answer one question, as we always do on the Best Movie Podcast Ever. And that is, of course, what is your favorite movie this week?
1: Um, we can also rate the film in a second, but I'll...
0: Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting to do that.
1: I'll give you my favorite movie. My favorite movie is uh, Mickey Mouse, The Prince and the Pauper. And the reason oh, for lovely. that the reason for that is uh, whenever you've got half an hour like, you know I, I want like my, my kids really want to watch something but I kind of want the TV back as soon as possible and The Prince and the Pawpies are only half an hour long so yeah, it did wonders this week for me Conrad what about you? You
0: trick them into thinking they're watching a feature length movie because kids don't know they don't yeah, understand yeah, yeah. the exactly. like, concept of time <laughs> Exactly. It's like, yeah, that was a three-hour movie, actually, guys. Time, for, time for bed. It's yeah. like- <laughs> Top quality too. Top quality. Let's not be on Let's be honest, like. <laughs> yeah. like, like what about you? Um, okay, um, I think mine is gonna be the Invisible Man. I, I uh, love this movie. And let's, let's, let's talk ratings then. Let's okay. talk Turkey. Um, what if a gun was placed? If an invisible gun was placed to your temple, um, what if a Chekhov's gun um was oh. placed to your temple? What, uh,
1: what would you give this movie? If it's an invisible Chekhov's gun. How yep. do we see it earlier in the scene? If it's, if it's not. <laughs> that's um, a good point. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, I'm. I did like this movie. I did like this movie. I think good. I'm. I think I'm gonna give it a four. Okay, very mm-hmm. bold. Yeah, I was. I was. I was about to say three, but I. I think I'll give it a four. Yeah,
0: I think I went for a 4 as well. It was Borderline borderline 5 for me. I, I, I really like this movie a lot. And if you haven't seen it yet, I really do recommend that you go and seek it out on, on yeah. Netflix if you have access to UK Netflix or hopefully it's available in other countries as well. I'm sure it is because it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a good one. Yeah. Um. Cool. Okay, well that is going to do it for us this week on the Best Movie Podcast Ever. Thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Ascarat for the use of our theme song. You can find links to their stuff down in the description below. And uh, thank Thank you to you for joining us. Uh, please consider subscribing if you haven't already. We are the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps and we are The Culture Cave on YouTube. Get involved in the comments. Let us know if you've seen this or what you thought of it. Give a share a like. really does help. And we will see you same time, same place next week.
1: And cut.